Are you ready for the word? Amen. I'll be reading from the book of Proverbs chapter 18. And I apologize in advance. Normally I have a whole slide thing for you all set up, but the word that I was going to give, God changed it at 4 a.m. this morning. So, <laughs> you know, so we're going to, you know, go with this. But but I'll be reading from Pro- the book of Proverbs chapter 18, starting at verse 20. Um, just two verses Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, starting at verse 20, it says from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit because it's only two verses. I'm going to read it again. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The title of my sermon series today is Watch Your Mouth. Watch your mouth. Can, can you look at the person next to you and say, watch your mouth? So, so you can say, it's okay. We can talk to each other. It's all, if you're married, it's okay. You're not going to get in trouble. They say, say, Pastor Will told me to tell you to watch your mouth. Amen. Amen. This Proverbs is a book of wisdom written by Solomon, who was known to be the wisest man on the world. Um, the, the first third of the book is a series of lectures from a father to a son. And it's Proverbs has so much wisdom in it. And I, I encourage you, if you don't ever delve into the book of Proverbs, I'm telling you, you will not be upset. You will not be disappointed because there is so much there to glean from. Um, and, and as a father, one of the things that I love in this season of my life is is being able to create memories with my family, with my children. As many of you know, I have three incredible children, a 10-year-old about to be 11, um, an 8-year-old who is going on 15, and then uh, and a, and a, and a 6-year-old. And we, we just love creating moments together. Um, a few years ago, there was um, this new push by Disney and different platforms to sort of recreate movies or plays that were done in the past. They were trying to bring some of the old things back to a new generation. And one of the things that they did, uh, how many people know of The Wizard of Oz? The Wizard of Oz. Okay, okay. All right, now I'm about to catch you up right here. How many of you know of The Wiz? Okay, 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 okay. So, The Wiz is a different version of The Wizard of Oz. Back, I don't know when it was. I don't know how many years ago, what year it came out. But The Wiz it was a version of The Wizard of Oz that was done by a lot of R&B and pop kind of artists back in the day. And they recently, a few years ago, recreated The Wiz. I love The Wizard of Oz, but I grew up really loving The Wiz. Mainly because I'm a singer. I love 
love music. I love just to hear stuff. And there's a lot of singing in the Wiz. But there is a specific scene. As I was sitting down watching this with my kids, there was a specific scene that I, that stood out to me that I want to share with you. There was a scene where the scarecrow, and at that time the scarecrow was played by Michael Jackson, and the scarecrow was up in the field on this post, and there were a bunch of crows all around him singing and dancing mocking him and in the midst of him being on this post he began to sing this song he began to sing this song you can win you can't break even and you can't get out of the game people keep saying things are gonna change but they look just like they're staying the same you can win no way over your head and you've only got yourself to blame you can't win child you can't break even and you can't get out of the game now that song it sounds really great but my son who was younger at the time asked me this question he says, Dad, what does this song mean? And when he asked me the question, I never really thought about it. But the reality is that when you look at the lyrics to this song, I was like, son, this song is one of the most depressing songs that you may ever hear in your life. You can't win. You can't break even. And you can't get out of the game. People keep saying Things are going to change, but they look just like they're staying the same. You can't, you, you get in way over your head and you've only got yourself to blame. You can't win, child. You can't break even and you can't get out of the game. As I was talking to my son, I realized that what was happening with this scarecrow is something that happens with many of us. When life beats us up. When life gets challenging, we begin to change our confession. We begin to say things and speak things over our lives that actually cause more harm and damage to us. We begin to, I don't know how long that scarecrow was up on that post. I don't know, but what I do know is that there were people all around him that were mocking him. I don't know how many negative things he heard about himself, but all I know is that he was there long enough to begin to sing a song of defeat. How many people in this room are willing to admit, you don't have to raise your hand. How many people are in this room are willing to admit that you have been in a season of your life where, where you reflect and you realize that you allowed your circumstance to dictate your response? You allowed your circumstance and the weight and the pressures that you were feeling in your life to cause you to begin to speak things that were not from God. You allowed the, the, the weight of the world that was around you. You allowed all the hardship that was happening to cause you to not speak life, but to begin to speak words of death. As a father, one of my primary responsibilities is to be a gatekeeper for my children. 
I, I, I take my job very seriously. As a parent, how many people have children in this room? As a parent, it's not only important for you to protect your gates. Your gates, uh, we, we say our, our gates are our eye gates, what we see. Our ear gates, what we hear. And our mouth gate, what we, what we say. As a parent, it's not only important for you to protect your gates, but it is also your responsibility to make sure that you are protecting the gates of your children. We are living in a day and age where there are a lot of people, a lot of entities, a lot of things that are trying to influence those who are coming behind us. We are living in a day and age that if we as shepherds are not standing in position, the word actually talks about thieves and robbers jumping over the fence to get to the flock. There are some of us who are trying to figure out why in the world is it that we are dealing with so many challenges? Why is all hell breaking loose in my homes? Why are my kids acting totally crazy? Sometimes it's because we as the shepherds have not stood in position to protect the gates Y'all don't have to clap for me. It's okay. It's okay. This is a hard word. I know it's not making you feel good right now, but this is what God wanted me to tell you this morning. It is time for us to get back into the position of standing in front of the gates and protecting the gates that we have now. With the gates that we have, eye gates is what you see, ear gates what you hear, your mouth is the only gate that you have to watch what goes in, but also what comes out. What goes in and also what goes out. When I was growing up, my mother said this these three words to me more than I wish to share with you today. How many people have a mother or father like my mother where, where you found yourself hearing these three words? You better watch your mouth. What did what, what you say? I don't know about you, but, but so, and my mother, my mother was so skilled that she didn't even have to say these three words. All she had to do was give me a look. And I knew exactly what that meant. Whatever you were saying right now, you need to cut it. Anybody have parents like that? But I, now I find myself having a son that tends to say whatever is on his mind. Whenever he feels like saying it. And now I am the one that has to say, boy, you better watch your mouth. We have to watch our mouth because what I love about this text is that it frames something in a way that I don't think we always talk about. It says, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. I want to stop right there for a second. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. From the fruit of your mouth, your stomach is filled. 
I think we have to recognize that every single word that we speak is a seed. Every word that you speak is a seed that you are sowing. Seeds are meant to produce something. Seeds are sown so that they can be reproduced. If a seed is growing the right way, it's going to produce some form of fruit. And what this text is saying is that when we speak, we are producing fruit that not only is it going to go out in the world, but we are also going to have to consume it ourselves. Why is this important? The reason it's important is because sometimes the reason we have the realities that we have is because we have sown these seeds. We have sown this stuff out in the world. It's produced something. And now what the word is saying is that we're going to have to actually eat the meal that we prepared. I used to go, I, before I became a full-time pastor, I was into the agricultural field, and I also, uh, I was also a professionally trained uh, um, food entrepreneur. I had a catering business. I did all sorts of stuff. I had like 15 different careers, y'all, 15 different careers. But, but one of the things that they would say to me is, you never trust a chef that is not willing to eat their own food. Amen. Hey, look, you if listen, if you go to somebody's house and they prepare you food, they put it on a plate and sit it in front of you, but you look at what they're eating and they're eating something completely different, you might not want to eat that food. You might not want to eat that food. And sometimes with us in our lives from a spiritual realm, we have prepared something with the words that we speak. We have prepared an atmosphere with the words that we speak and we get frustrated because now we have to sit down and eat what we have prepared. When I look at the world we live in today, there is a lot of eating that needs to be done. But unfortunately, some of the things, you cut me off, you, you cut me off? Some of the things that has been sown are things that we just don't want to eat. We have to watch our mouths. And in this day and age, not only do we have to watch our mouth, but we have to watch our fingers. Because typing is also a form of your words as well nowadays. I, I, I cringe when I look at social media. I cringe when I see what we type and what we put out there in the world, you have to watch your mouth. I'm going to share three reasons that you have to watch your mouth and then we'll be done. Amen. Y'all still with me? Did I upset anybody yet? Anybody? No, I didn't. I didn't I, okay, okay. I want to make sure. It's okay. It's all right. Sorry. So, 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 there are three reasons we need to watch our mouths. Again, the first reason that we need to watch our mouths is because you are what you eat. You are what you eat. 
Back in the day, I'm old enough to remember, there was this, I don't know if it was a cartoon, they were trying to get kids to start eating more vegetables. And it was, you are what you eat from your head. You, y'all remember that? This little thing? I don't, maybe not. Maybe it's just me. But there was this whole cartoon that was presented to kids that talked about you being what you eat. You are what you eat, which simply means that you are what you consume. What is the source of the nutrients that you are getting? In order for you to be able to sow something, you first must eat something what are you drawing where are you drawing the source of your nourishment from here I have a bag of cherries here I have a bag of candy now the thing about this candy is that pretty much each and every single one of these are wrapped. They're wrapped in something that is made to be visually appealing to us. There was, there was, believe me, there were millions, if not billions of dollars that was put into the idea of the color that these starbursts need to be in order to pull people in. The thing about this as well is that it's, it's, it's presented in a way that's appealing, but it's also cheap. You can get, you can get a bunch of these starbursts for rather, for pretty much nothing. You can also, the thing about this piece of candy is that, that it actually doesn't have any kind of nutritional value at all. Right? Nothing. There's nothing nutrient, even though this is orange flavored, there is no vitamin anything in this. There is no nutritional value in this piece of candy. And the thing about this candy is if you eat it, and if you eat enough of it, it will give you a boost of, a boost of adrenaline, a boost of energy. Your, your brain stimuli will come in and you will feel like you have a little bit of energy. But after that little boost, because it's artificial, what's going to happen is you're going to crash. This right here is a form of what I would call junk food. Amen. On the other hand, we have a cherry. This cherry right here doesn't need any kind of prepackaged wrapping or any kind of label on it because it speaks for itself. It is deep red and, and it's, it's beautiful. The reason why I believe it's beautiful in its natural form is because man didn't create it, God did. And the wrapping that's here was made to be appealing not only to our eyes, but to pollinators and animals all over creation. This right here, it, it, it costs a bit more than a starburst may cost, but in this, do you know what it has? It has some nutritional value. If you eat these, it's actually going to be adding something to you. As a matter of fact, mm. Mm. This is good, y'all. Mm. Well, there's something else that's important to know about this cherry. Not only does it have nutritional value, but in this cherry is a seed. Why is that relevant? Why is that important to you? Anything that God creates and produces contains a seed 
This seed is so that if you plant it, it will begin to reproduce more of these cherries. And these cherries are good, y'all. I wish I can give you some. I know they say sharing is caring, and I care about you. But when it comes to us and going back to you are what you eat, the first point, you have to know that it is imperative to watch what you are consuming. Are you eating a bunch of junk food or are you eating something that has substance to it? Something that is going to feed you, something that is going to help you grow. In the physical, it would be foolish for you to go to fast food restaurants every single night. Eat Snickers bars and have a whole pile of candy wrappers on the set next to your bed and little Debbie's if people still eat those. It would be foolish for that to be your diet and then to get upset when you don't have a six pack. And to be upset. Why am I not in shape? Like, why is the only shape I can get in is round? It would be foolish. Yet, spiritually, we tend to have a similar mentality because we consume a bunch of junk. We consume a bunch of negativity. We consume a bunch of things that's not adding anything to you. Yet you are wondering why spiritually you are malnourished. You are what you eat. Say you are what you eat. Say it like you mean it. You are what you eat. Number two, the other reason you need to watch your mouth is because not only are you, you are what you eat, but you sow what you speak. You sow what you speak, which means every word that is coming out of your mouth is a seed that is being sown into the existence. It is a word that is being sown. Listen, according to a study done by the University of Arizona, it says that women speak about 16,215 words a day. Okay. Now, how many of you in this guys in the room, how, how many words do you think you speak? Two, two words, two words, yeah, yeah, yes and no, yes, yes and no, yes and no. <laughs> How many words? Give me a good two. Anybody else want to guess? 5,000. We had 16,000 for women and 5,000 for men. Okay. Anybody else want to go for something? No. Grunts, grunts and moans and, you know, head nods and, uh, yeah, that word, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's good. That's good. Listen. I thought that it was going to be a drastic difference between the two. But what this study actually shown shows is that 16,250 words are spoken by women and 15,669 are spoken by men. Yeah. Yeah. This is my question for you. Out of those 16,000 or so words that you speak every day, how many of those words are building you up or building others up? Versus how many of those words are tearing you down or tearing others down? Those are 16,000 seeds that you're sowing daily. How many of those seeds are seeds that are producing something positive in somebody's life? 
There's another study that I found for the American Psychological Association, and they talked about this term called self-speak, self-speak. And they're saying that the quality of, of the words that you speak over yourself, even in children, can predict the level of anxiety that you may have. Self-speak. Which means that if you speak negative negativity over yourself, then you are pretty much creating an atmosphere for anxiety for you to dwell in. There are these terms that they found, the negative self-speak sayings that they identified many people say, including children. I'm unlovable. I can't do anything right. I'll never be good enough at this or that. I'm not enough. I'll never be a good enough spouse. I'm a failure. I'm not a good enough parent or brother or sister or son or friend. Oh, man, I'm too weak. God, why'd you make me so weak? I'm too lazy. Like, I, I want to get things done, but I'm just so lazy. I'll never succeed at work. These are words that people speak over themselves. And they're saying that when they track these words that are being spoken, they can predict the level of anxiety a person is going to dwell in. What this says to me is that from a psychological standpoint, the seeds that come out of your mouth are imperative. Because you can create an entire atmosphere that can dictate how you're going to go and navigate through life's circumstances. In my house, we have a saying, when someone is saying something that you don't receive over you, we say, mm, don't speak that over my life. No, don't speak that. My kids, my, my eight-year-old walks around saying, hey, dad, uh-uh, don't speak that over my life. I don't, I don't know what you're saying, but don't speak that over my life. I, I, I believe that we need to begin to say that as believers. Like, don't speak that over my life. I don't know who you think you are. I don't know what you think is going on, but I am not listening to what you're saying. I'm listening to what my Father in Heaven is saying about me. So I don't speak. You can have all that negativity. You can have all that doubt. You can have all that fear i don't want it i don't need it i don't receive it don't speak that over my life we don't have to receive all the garbage that is trying to be thrown upon us there are those of us in this room to this day who struggle as adults because of words that were spoken over us as children i know a 60 year old man who saw a picture of himself as a child. And I watched this 60-year-old man literally transform before my very eyes because he looked at this picture and he could remember the day that his mother told him that he did not look like his father. In the picture, it was clear as day. He was a splitting image of his father. He looked just like his father, but his mother told him that you look, you don't look anything like your father. And that 60 year old man carried those words with him his entire life. His mother didn't mean anything by it, but those seeds were sown into his life. And can I tell you to this day, he struggles with identity. He struggles with understanding who he is because of words that were spoken over him 
when he was 60 years, I mean, when he was about uh, 15 years old. That's why it's so imperative for you not to just know what the world says about you, but you have to know what God says about you. You have to know what the word of God says about you. In the NIV, there are over 700,000 words in the Bible. Those are 700,000 seeds that are sown for you to, to, to take on. What does the Bible say about you? Who does God say you are? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says that you are blessed. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says you are a child of God, which means that you are no longer an orphan, which means that you don't have to struggle with abandonment issues because you have a heavenly father. I don't care what happened with your parents here on earth. You have an identity. That's what the word says about you. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says you are a new creation, which means the old you is dead and the new you is here, which means that you no longer have to go back and hold on to the dead things and the old things that you have been delivered from and freed from. That's what the word of God says about you. Galatians chapter three, verse 13 said that you're redeemed. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. You don't have to continue to carry all that weight of what used to be over your head. Jesus came and died for your freedom. That's what the word says about you. Romans chapter 5 verse 19 says that you are righteous. Which means that you are in right standing with our heavenly father. Through Jesus Christ. Why is this so important? I want you to begin to exchange your seeds. Back in the day, for those of you who are seasoned saints, people who have been here for a little bit longer than some of us, I, back in the day, I was told of these times when we were more of an agrarian society where they would go and they would have these things called seed exchanges. The people would literally take the seeds that they had grown, the heirloom, the custom seeds that they had, and they would go somewhere and they would trade seeds with other people. They said, oh, I have this, I have this heirloom tomato that may be great in your garden. And they would exchange that for a different kind of cucumber plant that they had never seen before. I believe that in, th in this day on today, there needs to be a new seed exchange. I need you to exchange the negative seeds that you have been carrying with the seeds of the word of God. I need you to exchange the negativity that you speak over yourself and that has been spoken over you. I need you to exchange those for what the word says about you. I need you to exchange every single negative post that you see about what's happening in the world today and focus more on what the word of God says. There needs to be a seed exchange. My last point. first reason you need to watch your mouth is because you are what you eat. The second reason you need to watch your mouth is because you sow what you speak. The third reason you need to watch your mouth is because you never know who's listening. You never know who's listening. A few weeks ago, there was a, a video that went viral of this little girl. She had to be no more than five years old. She was in this daycare and obviously she was not behaving herself. 
And she was in this daycare and she was sitting there and they did, and the, the teacher took her phone and she was videotaping this little girl who was looking at her and say, listen, Linda, Linda, I'm so over you. I'm so tired of you and these bad kids. If, if I can just take a break from you all, I would. I would just go somewhere else. I'm over this. Five-year-old girl. And people are laughing and they're cracking up about it. It's the funniest thing in the world. But this is the reality. When I watched that video, my heart broke. Because this little girl obviously didn't learn that from herself. She learned that from watching somebody else say that stuff. And I would, I would, I think it's fair to assume that it was probably somebody that was saying that to her. You have to be careful what you're saying. You never know who's listening. There are habits there. Do you understand? Like children are like sponges. Even outside of children, there are people in your life. They look to you as the as the light. They look to you as the person who made it out. They look to you as the one that has the healthy marriage. If you're not careful, you're going to crush their world. If you just speak recklessly, if you allow your flesh to take hold, and if you allow your tongue to take over, you never know who's listening. I love the story in the Bible that speaks to this. It's the story of Zechariah. Zechariah, Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 22. Zechariah is a priest. He's a priest. And we also know that he is married to Elizabeth, who is the cousin of Mary. He's the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah was a priest who had stature. He had standing. And he had been praying for a son. Praying and praying for a son. And this moment came when the angel of the Lord came in front of him in the temple. And he let him know that Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. God is going to give you a son. He is going to give you all that you have been praying for. It is here. And not only are you going to have a son, but your son is going to be special. He's going to be a forerunner for Jesus Christ. There's going to be something different about him. I am giving you exactly what you asked for. Now, you would think that Zechariah would be like, yes, Lord, worshiping him and praising him. Thank you. You finally heard my cry. But when you read the text, that's not what happened. Zechariah actually had the nerve to say, well, and I'm paraphrasing y'all. Can, can you just, can you give me a sign? Like, how, how do I know this is going to, I know I hear you, but how do I know this is going to happen for real? Like, can you just give me a sign? And I can only imagine what, what, what the angel Gabriel was sitting there saying, like, can I give you a sign? Do you just have angels coming and talking to you every day? Like, what am I, chop liver? Like, can, 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 can you get a sign? Hello, here I am. And that moment was such a defining moment in Zechariah's life. Because it said that God shut his mouth. And it actually also made him deaf. But he shut his mouth for nine months. Couldn't say a word. 
for nine months. Couldn't say a word. Now that seemed a bit extreme to me. Like, wow, like, man, that, 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 who knows how long he had been praying for that. He was just saying, can I just get another, another sign? And, and I asked, I asked the text. I asked God, God, why, why did you shut his mouth for nine months? It's a long time. Some of you are in here like, man, I wish so-and-so would be quiet for nine months. But that's another message for another time. Why nine months? Why shut him up? This is what I believe. I believe the reason he was shut up for nine months is because God did not want him to sow his unbelief in other people. As I said, he had stature. He was a priest. People literally went to him to hear from God. They brought their burdens. He was there to speak. Can you imagine the impact he could have had if God allowed his unbelief to be sown all over the place? Could you imagine how the story could have gone if God allowed Zachariah to sow his seeds of unbelief into his wife Elizabeth who was literally carrying a miracle? As believers, we have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to watch what you are taking in and please, please watch what you allow to come out of your mouth. Stand to your feet with me, please. I just want to say this to you. We are living. Some people will say that these are the last days. We are living in very, very challenging times. Now, I'm not afraid of anything because I don't, I've learned not to continually tell God about my problems. I've learned to tell my problems about my God. But this is the thing I need you to understand that in this season, the church, and you've been talking about through the book of Acts and, and and the importance in who we are as the body, the fellowship, the assembly, the church. The church isn't a building. The church is the assembly of the people who, who make the church up. That means wherever you go, you represent the church. Wherever you go, whoever is following you, you represent our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For some people, they're never going to set foot in a church. They're never going to hear Pastor Tom preach. They're never going to stream online. 
but all they have in their life the only representation of what it means to be a believer what it means to be whole what it means to be saved is you so can you please hear what I'm saying hear my heart in these days we are living in we have a responsibility to not just say what we feel what we think our thoughts our feelings are fleeting the one thing that never changes is the word of God we live in a day and age where they're actually changing the definition of words Never changes is the word of God. Can I? I implore you. Can, can I? Can I just? Can I just? Can you just hear me, please? Please exchange the seeds of your opinions for the foundation of the word of God. If you do that, if you do that, this world that we are living in will be stronger. Not just for you, but for the lost. You are found. You've seen the light. You're saved. Many of you are saved. I don't know everybody's salvation story in this room. But but I'm asking you, not just for you, but I'm asking you for those who are watching you. We are not living in a season where we can afford to not be anchored in the word. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to pray over you. Father God, I I thank you. I thank you for loving us so much that you left a blueprint for us to navigate through this world. Father, I thank you for loving us so much that you made a way for us where there was no way to be made. I thank you for loving us so much that you snatched us out of the hand of the enemy. And Father, today I am praying for a seed exchange. I am praying that the words that we speak will be anchored and rooted in what you are saying. Father, if there is anybody in this room right now that is struggling with their tongue, Father, I am praying, Lord, that just like you reached out and touched the mouth of Jeremiah. Father, may you touch our tongues today. May you change our words today. Can you give us a new perspective? Can you give us new prayers to pray? Father, we trust you. And we want you to be the source of our seed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Amen.